This is USA Takedown. The best guests. All the hot news and predictions on combat sports of wrestling and MMA. With your host, the true American, Scott Casper. Connect with him now on social media and check out usatakedown.com. Now, it's time for USA Takedown. All right, hello again, everybody. It is USA Takedown. I'm Scott Casper, and we have a great program on tap for you this beautiful Friday. A little rainy here in central Iowa, but nonetheless, we're going to get through it and have a great day doing it. All right? Beautiful, beautiful list of guests. We'll tell you who's going to be on Dr. Enoch Francis, Francois. rather. He was scheduled last week, uh, but we've rebooked him for this week. He'll be joining us. Wade Chalice for two important segments. We've got some topics that uh, Wade has brought up. Uh, on his blog, and I thought it important enough, uh, both topics, to put into two segments. We'll talk to Keenan Haggerty. He's the boss of his uh, own program. We'll talk to him out of Kansas City, Missouri. Josh Watts is going to be joining us, as well as our first guest in the Wild Rose Casino Studios on our Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. It's Riley the Fever. Good morning, Riley. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. It's good to talk to you again. I saw this uh, beautiful uh, release that Angel Escobedo sent to me that uh, when he had made the announcement of the addition of four-time national champ Riley the Fever. I want to start with your, co- your college uh, experience. You wrestled for Wabash, but you became only the second four-time NCAA Division Three national champion. You did it two different weights, 84 and 97. You were as driven a college student athlete as I've ever seen. Uh, first of all, congratulations on that effort, but look where it got you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a fun time. You know, I, I, what really made it special was just um, we had a really good team during the time, too. But um, I got to wrestle with my brothers again. So, mm-hmm. you know, Wabash was was a really special time for me, and, and it holds a special place in my heart. And just competing for them and alongside my teammates was just a great time that I always cherish. In talking with Kira Jones here in the studio, our producer, um, there's a lot of different reasons uh, kids go to a variety of different types of colleges. What attracted yeah. you to Wabash? Well, I wasn't really heavily recruited coming out of high school because I wasn't too good. I only I only made it to state once my senior year, and then I, got, I ended up taking second. So not many uh, big schools are looking at a one-time state qualifier, one-time state placer on their radar. So... You know, a lot of it was my own doing, but I knew I was I was getting better. Right. And I, I figured that I was just going to follow my brothers wherever they went. Um, and that's basically what happened because I just I wrestled with them a couple of years in high school. We were on the same team, and I just really enjoyed that, and I was just really enjoyed the family dynamic and being with wrestling with my brothers. So I kind of figured I'd always end up being with them. But, you know, Wabash isn't really the uh, typical school um, a lot of athletes want to go to because it, it's all male. There's only about 900,000 students in a small town in wow. uh, west of Indianapolis, um, and it's pretty it's it's pretty uh, rigorous academically. But you know, the small small campus feel really attracted me. Um, I found out at Wabash because of the wrestling camp when I was growing up, so I already knew a little bit about um, the coaches and just the, the wrestling and the facilities and it's a beautiful little campus but mm-hmm. um you know i that's i mean really it was just because uh, my brothers went there i was sold on the academic side of things and i just really like the small small campus feel you know i'm, I'm and i expressed that to kira too when i transferred from the university of iowa 
already having a broadcast degree, I transferred yeah. to Drake. And oh, yeah. all of a sudden, I was able to connect with my professors and, and those that were helping to manage my collegiate career, collegiate experience. And yeah. I got more out of the year and a half I was at Drake than I did the three and a half years I was at Iowa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so everybody has to find the right fit. And some people suffer through a decision they make thinking that they can't. Oh, that yeah. takes us, you know, that takes us to the next topic. And that yeah. is the transfer portal. Now guys are being able to, and sometimes encouraged, to make a decision to change their collegiate experience. What are your thoughts on that, Riley? Um, I think it's, I think it's good that um, people don't have to have the anxiety that maybe was there before. Right. If they if they found a place or made a decision when they were a teenager, and they found out, you know, this really isn't what I thought it was. I don't. I don't really enjoy my time here. I'm not a fit that I thought I would be. Mm -hmm. And they can they can find a place where they might find that fit better. Um, it kind of really popped, only popped in um, my head when I was in college because of the fact that um, I had success and I continued to compete in freestyle events. And I got, I guess, people started to take notice. Right. Um, but I remember... When all this, when when that kind of popped in my head, I had one of my assistant coaches just tell me, you know, if you're happy where you are, um, that's really all that matters. And that really took a big hit with me because I really enjoyed being at Wabash where I was. And some people might say, yeah, but you, you know, you were just not really challenged in too many aspects. But you know, I was the kind of person who I was going to go out and look for challenges no matter what. So that I wasn't too worried about that. I was just worried about if this was the right place for me. And if I was going to enjoy my time there, and I did, so there's there's really no regrets about that for me. But yeah, I think um, it's definitely a changing time with the transfer portal and people being able to go and leave and do things as they choose. But I think it's also a good thing in some some aspects as well. Well, leaving Wabash when you're upon graduation, where you did post a great career record of 158 and six, uh, you went on to um, like you said to international uh, tournaments, uh, the Dave Schultz. The uh, outstanding Ukrainian tournament, outstanding yep. Ukrainian tournament. Why well, I'm having trouble, <laughs> but uh, you also earned third place in the World Team Challenge tournament. So you've had this outstanding experience at a variety of different levels. It was only after Wabash that you moved to State College, PA, to train freestyle with the Nittany Line Wrestling Club. Describe that experience for our, our listeners. I mean, that was that was a great experience. I, I feel like um, you know, growing up just when I started to learn, um, you know, what wrestling was and, mm -hmm. um, the people in the sport who were, you know, leading the way and making wrestling exciting. It was the people who were at Penn state. It was coach kale and it was, um, you know, David Taylor and all the guys who have been at, um, Penn state the years when I was in high school and even in college, my brothers and I always looked up to guys who, um, wrestled hard and wrestled with enthusiasm and just looked to score at every position. And, uh, you know, it didn't help that they had a really good history of just developing uh, big guys as well. So, I mean, it was kind of an easy choice when that opportunity arose. And um, yeah, I mean, my time and my time there, I've learned, I've learned so much, and uh, look to use that into my coaching as well. But yeah, I mean, Nittany Line Wrestling Club is the place to be for me. All right, so you had uh, three championships at '84, then '97 once. 
What's your current weight? <laughs> uh, probably around 220. 220. Oh, that's tight. Yeah, maybe a little over 97 kilos, but yeah. So you're going to be um, working with the bigger guys, right? Uh, yeah, for oh, sure. Okay. And it's, it's a tight staff. What I like about it is that um, I think it's you, Angel, and Jason are all from Indiana. Yeah, we are. Yep. Okay. So there's a lot of, you know, are you pride there, right? For sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm super psyched about that. There's a changing landscaping uh, landscape in college wrestling right now, and we're seeing yeah. it become a little more homogenous, if, if I can use that term, um, as as these new younger staffs are uh, really coming together. And um, Angel's got a great plan, I think. He's been on the show recently. Um, how was it? Um, how did it? Can you describe for us the transition and the offer, and then? further when you and your wife made the decision to accept the program's offer? I mean, so I left um, the Nittany Line Wrestling Club in April, and we actually just, I was living away from my wife for the past year or so. She was in Pittsburgh finishing up school and got a nursing job at the Children's Hospital. So we, I was just, we were sick of uh, living apart. We've been off and on um, living apart, living together when I was training in college. So we just decided, you know, we're going to finally move back together in again and live together. So moved to Pittsburgh. And then after that, started getting some opportunities reaching out. We're like, hey, man, some guys are actually interested in me maybe coaching. And um, so kind of get got that motor rolling. And um, then when Angel reached out, it was just, you know, it was really um, enticing for me because it was, it was back home. My wife went to IU. She's an alum. Um, I get along really well with Jason and Angel. Mm -hmm. I've known them for a long time. And it was just the right fit for me as a place where I could feel like um, Angel has the Angel has the program headed in the right direction. He wants um, He's a coach who um, he wants to win, and he wants to win the right way. Right. He also um, wants to, you know, continually, continue to grow and evolve and change. And he just, he just has the mentality of a, of a winner and a champion. And that was something that was really enticing to me because, you know, at the end of the day, we're just competitors and we want to win, but we also want to win the right way. And I think that's what was most important to me and something that Angel sold me on. I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to announce the Big Ten championships when they were at Indiana. And uh, yeah. what an experience that was. I, yeah. I, I can't even tell you how grateful I was for that experience. You know, anytime you get together, the Big Ten coaches – and then the athletes, and then the fans converge on the competition. <laughs> yeah. It's a really special opportunity, i got to tell you. But Angel yeah, Escobedo is the right fit for this job. Don't you agree? Yes, I agree, 100%. Mm. <laughs> All right, so your wife is in nursing. Was she able to find a job at, uh, on campus or off campus? Uh, she, she uh, well, she's, she's not really, so we're kind of in a weird situation because she's due in, like, three weeks. So oh, wow. when she left her job, it was kind of like, all right, this is basically your maternity leave. I mean, you're basically, <laughs> we're just basically going to lay low. You don't have to worry. I mean, that's the nice thing about it. It's a little different making, um, being, being a coach and have, you know, that financial stability versus being a resident athlete. Right. Um, where, you know, she doesn't have to, you know, at, go find a job or go do something like that. So she gets to lay low and just worry about, you know, being healthy and uh, get through this part of this pregnancy in our life. And, um, you know, get adjusted to being with the kids soon. So she isn't, that's, you know, that's a big enough plate for anyone, right? So 
she gets to focus on that and I get a I'm gonna help out in any way I can and so that's kinda her her and our situation right now. But um you know, we're really excited for that. Well, I, I didn't realize she was that far along. Three weeks? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's due I think she's doing about three weeks. Life's about ready to change for the good. And oh yeah. <laughs> is this is this your first kid? Yes, it is our first kid. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Do we know if it's a boy <laughs> or a girl? We don't. We're waiting. Okay. Oh. Now, you know the history of college wrestling coaches, right? <laughs> I do. I do. Ma- majority of college wrestling coaches' kids, girls. Uh, girls, yep. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. Why is that? Interesting. It's like wrestling Wrestling affords, I think, a great opportunity for twins, okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot a lot of twins <laughs> in wrestling, not so yeah, many in football brother. or baseball. How many brothers do you have? Just two, and they're twins. They are twins as well. Yep. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know, and Incredible. but I think twins are some of my favorite interviews too because you get to feed off each other. Mm-hmm. And Tom, Tom and Terry are, are come to mind at Iowa. And oh yeah. Then, uh, oh goodness sakes! Um, we have amazing, amazing twin stories with my brothers. Just, they're always so, funny. So are you guys like taking bets? Is there an over under as to whether it's a boy or a girl? Um. <laughs> Maybe he's not a bad Yeah, I think my family definitely is. They think one or the other, and it's, I don't know if it's kind of split, or maybe they're just trying to, you know, I don't really know. Stir the pot. Um, they're, stir they're, the definitely, pot. they're definitely trying to, you know, edge it on a little bit, and, you know, make it fun. All right, so have you had a chance to meet the team? Yeah, yeah, I've been here for about a little over three weeks now. Okay. So, yeah, I'm definitely getting settled in and meeting all the guys, and, being able to wrestle with them, too, at our Indiana RTC practices. So it's been a good time. What's the upside to Jacob Bullock? He's just, he's an athlete. He's a big guy who can move well. And right. um, he, he he really enjoys the challenge of um, trying to get better. And that's just something that's exciting for me um, as a coach, to have somebody who who's, who wants to get better. Right? He, he fills he out does. a dress shirt. I got to tell you, the dude is big. He is a big guy. Yeah, he can uh, he can explode if he wants to, and there's not really much you can do about it except just wrestle for the next position. <laughs> now, do you go as far as 184? Or are you stuck 97 and heavyweight? What's what's the primary weights for you? Um, I'll wrestle with any of the guys, honestly. But I mean, I I kind of have a a good enough feel where you know if I'm wrestling um, Brock Hudkins or 25, mm-hmm. um, I can give him a good feel and wrestle with him and. Um, but then, you know, if I wrestle with, you know, Hoffman or JB, then I can give those guys a good feel. So I think I'm kind of fortunate enough to, you know, I, I watched, uh, you know, Coach Kale and all those guys. They wrestle with, with all the guys. And I learned how, you know, they can wrestle with the lighter guys and how they move a little different or don't give them as much pressure and stuff and still give them a good feel. So I kind of try to do that as well, you know, wrestle with all the guys, give them a different feel and just – uh be able to wrestle with them all. Now, I got to tell you, you guys have an embarrassment of riches at heavyweight, okay? With Rudy, Rudy Streck. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of all the rest of the guys that um, I've talked to. Uh, Andrew Irick, is it Eric yep. or Irick? Irick. And Eric. we got his, his brother too. We got, we got the whole Irick family basically has come through <laughs> here. We got Matt now too, and yeah, so. We're talking with Riley the Fever on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. It's a portion of our program brought to you by Here.com. That's Here.com forward slash Casper. Great hearing aids, great prices, incredible customer service. Take it from me. I've had that experience with them. 
and their products are top notch. Riley the Fever, it's always good to talk to my brother, and I'm just super glad that uh, not only have you landed, but you landed in the right place. IU Hoosiers, Hoosier land is much richer for your return to Indiana, but Indiana as a university is much better off having you on the staff of Angel Escovito's wrestling program. Nice job out of you today. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Give our best to your wife, and uh, I hope that pregnancy uh, comes about in a, in a healthy and safe manner for everybody involved. That's pretty cool. Yes, me too. Are Thank you ready you. to be a dad? It. I am ready. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be fun. I thought he I was, that too. now, but... <laughs> I mean, I'm as ready as I can be. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that was the day... That was when my, my first son was born. That was the day my life changed forever. And oh, it was I'm, so yeah. cool to know that he literally altered, uh, you know, tra the trajectory of my life yeah. for the balance of it. And that was 34 years ago. So, yeah. Anyway, Riley, good talking with you, brother. Give our best to Angel and your wife and the entire team and staff, okay? Will do. Thank you very much. There we go. Top uh, top drawer right there. Riley the Fever, a four-time NCAA Division Three national champion, and uh, he's got some good credits to our some good uh, results to his credit, too, on the international front. Tell you what, we'll take a quick time out. We're broadcasting live from the Wild Rose Casino Studios of USA Takedown. And I want to thank our friends at Defense Soap, helping to keep our athletes happy, healthy, and on the mat. We'll be back after the short time out. You're listening to 1350. This is ESPN. Stay tuned. Casper will be right back with more USA Takedown. Oh, welcome back to the show, coast to coast, border to border, and all those ships at sea. It is USA Takedown. Scott Casper, Kira Jones in studio, doing what we do every Friday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. And we're glad you're joining us. Uh, we had an interesting conversation to start the program off with Riley the Fever. Now we're going to head to western Iowa. And it wasn't that long ago where uh, myself, uh, Coach Gable, um, and I, I really can't remember everybody that was there, perhaps Mike Chapman, but we came to celebrate um, a great success in that Iowa Western added a wrestling program. And they added a great head coach. He's been there. Is it nine years or ten years now, Josh? Ten years now. I started in uh, 2011. Wow. It seems like you've come so far in such a short period of time. But you know what? That's a lot of years for a, a young coach such as yourself. Prior to Iowa Western, if, if I recall, you were at Darton, right? Yep, yep. I was down at Darton College in South Georgia for four years before coming up here. And it seems to me that the real success, besides the conference uh, success you've had, competition, set that aside. It's the athletes that are uh, graduating after two-year experience with you. They're also graduating with academic prowess. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, I mean, we put a great deal of emphasis on being successful off the mat and in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, our school provides a lot of support for our athletes uh, with, with tutoring, writing centers, um, everything like that. And, uh, you know, the guys have done a, pr a pretty good job of getting on the, the schoolwork, attending classes, and uh, uh, my staff has done a good job of uh, tracking attendance, making sure guys are out of bed and, and there. But uh, it's an emphasis of ours. Uh, we want to make sure our guys, our guys can academically move on to four-year schools. And we've done really well, especially producing, like, all-region academic uh, team athletes. So, 
So that's so very important because for some programs, uh, academics is a problem. And we've addressed that on the national level with the uh, National Wrestling Coaches Association. But it's great coaches like yourself who have endorsed that and the importance of really buckling down and studying. Uh, after all, that's one of the reasons why you're there, right? So there's a responsibility oh. for every athlete and coach, for that matter. Talk to us a little bit about your director of athletics. Is that still Shane? Uh, yeah, Shane's uh, Shane Larson's getting started uh, next week. Um, okay. So we're we're excited to get him in here. Uh, he was down at Cali Community College before this, and uh, we're just excited to to get him in in place and get moving forward. I'm curious how you came um, or when in Iowa. You were one of the most prolific of, of high school wrestlers. Uh, uh, I think your career market carry can hold on to your socks here. It's 190 and 4. The single, yeah, that's correct. The single most wins for any individual in the history I was going to say, that's, that's wins versus losses. I know. I know. That's just incredible. It's incredible. And, uh, and that makes who he is and what he's done even that much more credible. See what I did there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> All right. A lot of folks may not know of the Reavers. We've done uh, several programs with you. Uh, tell everybody what a Reaver is. A Reaver is, is a river pirate, essentially. So um, I, get, I get that question all the time from recruits, but, yeah, it's, it's a river pirate. <laughs> <laughs> and therein lies the actual logo is the logo of a pirate. And uh, I don't mm -hmm. see that ever changing. I kind of like it myself. But uh, you've got. I, I like it. It's different. Yeah, it's very different. Not a whole lot of pirates out there on the collegiate wrestling scene. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Talk to us about um, uh, the uh, conference you're you're in, and uh, and who some of your great competitors are. Well, I mean, we're in the Iowa conference. Mm -hmm. uh, every team is good. Um, we're competitive on a national level. You know, we went through a stretch there for a few years where all five Iowa conference schools were finishing in the top eight in the country. Um, so our qualifying process is, is, is a brutal one. I mean, we walk into that tournament and, um, you know, it, it's tough. There's guys who get wild card entries into the national tournament from our conference. And then you see them in the finals at nationals. I love that. So it, it's an extremely tough conference. And then uh, this past year, Indian Hills, had added wrestling, right? Um, and and they had brought in uh, Coach Cole Spree, who was at Ellsworth previously, and so he was familiar with the conference, and it just kept adding to our competitive level here. So it's an exciting conference. All our dual meets are pretty exciting. There's always highly ranked matchups every time we, we get together, and uh, our conference tournament to qualify is, uh, is a fun one to be at. And Iowa Central's in the conference as well? Yep, Iowa Central. Uh, you know, they, they've been a, a, one of the top programs in the country for years. Um, Iowa Lakes, NIAC, um, you know, Ellsworth. So it, it's, a, it's a good battle. It's, it's a lot of fun to be in this conference. You know, I think we keep each other on our toes. Right. And uh, it's always a battle. Talk to us a little bit about your coaching staff. Well, I have uh, my, my head assistant is, is Oscar Ramirez. Oscar was a state runner-up here in Iowa from Esterville. Um, he came and wrestled here for two years. He was our first national finalist, uh, two-time All-American. And, uh, you know, he went on to Augustana. And then after that, 
he uh, came back here to be an assistant coach and moved up to the uh, head assistant. I have uh, Zeb Wall, uh, who is a, a local Iowa guy as well, who was a state champ for Lewis Central. Uh, and then he was a three-time All-American for Berryville. Um, down there, he was a national finalist in, in D2. And then he is, came came back to the area, and I was fortunate enough to get him involved with us. And both those guys do a phenomenal job. You know, they're on the younger side compared to me, I guess, now. And uh, they get on the mat. They wrestle with the guys. They, they help out with recruiting. They do a phenomenal job. Yeah, you're not necessarily long in the tooth. I mean, let's be honest, right? <laughs> you're, uh, you're still you young know, guy. 30 to 38, <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> I, I got your beat, buddy boy. I got your beat. <laughs> Josh, watch, I guess. Josh, when you um, accepted the invitation to coach uh, at Iowa Western, uh, there was no program. Talk to us about the challenges you faced early on, and I, I don't think you had the ability to immediately add a staff, right? Um, well, I was able to get... Uh, Paul Reed, uh, as an assistant, it just, I kind of got hired in late June in 2011, and, you know, the school wanted X amount of number of guys by August, so um, we, we hit the ground running. Um, I had built a program previously down at Darton College, mm -hmm. so I was kind of familiar with the process and, and what I needed to do, but... The biggest thing when we got here was get the athletes. Um, needed needed a team, so it was kind of uh, bring in whatever we can bring in that that first summer in a, in a month. And then uh, the biggest thing uh, was name recognition. Right. Right. People had to know that Iowa Western existed. Uh, it took a little bit. We, we'd go to opens and people would call us Iowa Wesleyan or Western <laughs> Iowa or, or or whatever. So I made sure right out the gate when we had singlets that said Iowa Western on it. So it. Uh, everybody knew where we were from and, and, and who we were. And then, you know, the building process, I, I've always said, is about get that first All-American. Once you get that first All-American, then other dominoes start falling. And uh, it took us our second year. We had we had two All Americans, and then we just kind of kept rolling from there. You know, if I look at the performance uh, of your team uh, over the years, um, and I know these numbers to be close but not exact: seventy-three national qualifiers, twenty-five All Americans. Those numbers, I'm sure, changed after last year. Uh, mm -hmm. na national duels. Uh, you took fourth place uh, at the national duels with top twenty-five, top twenty, top fifteen, top ten and two top five finishes. I mean, you're getting performance out of these guys. And the challenge for me, if I were in your shoes, and understanding you know the role, okay, but a two-year program, you're basically just getting started. And um, and then you're off to another program, hopefully. Um, so, you know, for me, it'd be, it'd be a real difficult uh, position. But then again, you seem to be making, uh, hey, with with the uh, situation that you're in with to your program. Yeah, I mean it's it's always uh in a, it's always a tricky situation sometimes in the evaluation process because you're when you're recruiting you're looking at kids and saying okay, what's their developmental path here? Is it can we get them to where they need to be in a year, two years, are they a three or four year developmental kid? Um and then we kind of identify those guys that we can maximize in a two-year span, and then you get them to where they need to be, and then it seems like they're on to their next place. Right. So 
that can be a little frustrating at times, but uh, it's it's a fun process. Um, we love to develop athletes. We feel like that's a strength of ours, and I also think it's the funnest part of the job is watching these kids grow and then uh, achieve what they want to achieve. I mean, we just had our first uh, two-time national champ with Isaiah Crosby, who committed there to Oregon is. State. You know, and uh, watching him develop over the two years uh, was just fun. It was fun. Um, Pendleton has high high hopes for this young man, and I think there's a reason why. He's a quality wrestler, quality kid. Hey, what's that pipeline from uh, your alma mater, Davenport Assumption? What's that pipeline like? Well, Assumption produces great great wrestlers uh, every year. And uh, Sonny Alvarez, a teammate of mine, just took over the Assumption program, which I'm really excited about. And... Uh, you know, we, we haven't had uh, too many Assumption kids here, but I'm hoping that we can uh, get that going with Sonny in place over there. <laughs> you know, I, I, there's one thing I want folks to know is that uh, perhaps, okay, uh, your your career at uh, University of Northern Iowa, uh, due to some serious knee problems and injuries, uh, you weren't able to compete at the highest level uh, to which you were accustomed to, or the fans for that matter. But you did transfer to Loras College, and you were a two-year varsity letter winner there. Talk to us about that transfer. Well, you know, the, the college side of things for me, like, it was a little frustrating. I just couldn't seem to uh, keep my knees right. Mm-hmm. You know, my first three years of college, I had uh, three knee surgeries. Oh, wow. And I'm up to six now. But it was just a, a process that uh, wasn't fun to go through, but I think has really helped me on the coaching side. Right. And, um, you know, I've been at, at the peak of the mountain, and I've been in the, probably the, the darkest valley. So it, it's helped me in the long run. But the reason why I transferred to Loris was, you know, in my conversation with Coach Stewart and Coach Spees back then, it was they, they would uh, get me into coaching when I was done and uh, I could finish off my degree and still be involved with wrestling. And so that's what led me to, to Loris. Um, and then, you know, I got right into assistant coaching for two years, then a head coaching job right after that. That is so cool. That's that trajectory. I, wrestling is one of the only sports that could allow that quickness of in pursuit of one's, you know, goal. Mm-hmm. And in this case, being a head coach, you knew you had something to uh, to share with student athletes, and it's 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 real easy to see what that impact. It wasn't just your 190 and four uh, high school record. It wasn't just you know what the knee problems or injuries prevented you from doing. It's what you were able to do, uh, and and that movement. I think you were brave enough to make the move, but you're also smart enough to see what the end could look like. And you've been making bank at Iowa Western. I think it's terrific. It's a wonderful story, Josh. Oh, thank you. Let me ask you this: um, the you were inducted into the Iowa, or was it the Iowa High School, Iowa Athletic High yes. School Hall of Fame? Yes. I a I'm I'm always tongue tied at this one. I a h s a a. You know, you think about it. Can we stop naming things, please? I think it would be yeah. wrestling is the worst at naming stuff, whether it's a tournament. Uh, and, uh, you know, Shorty Hitchcock, and uh, there's so many great tournaments around the country, but they have so many things attached to the front end. 
It's like an acronym, 85 letters yeah. long. You can't. <laughs> yeah. There's no way. All right. So, Josh, what's on tap for you this summer as we continue to make our way through the month of July? Uh, we're, we're trying to wrap up recruiting here uh, in the next couple of weeks. We've got a couple uh, guys that we're trying to land here late. And other than that, we're getting prepped. Um, we pretty much have our schedule done for, for next year. Um, it sounds like to me that we're going back to normal with classes and practices and, and all that. So we're planning on having a normal year, and uh, we're just getting everything lined up and ready to go so that when the athletes move in and, uh, in August that uh, we can get them going. You know, that begs me to ask the next question. We're getting back to normal or a sense of normalcy in the United States, right? Well, Japan's mm -hmm. quite the opposite. If, the announcement came out at about 4 p.m. yesterday that uh, uh, Japan and the Japanese Olympic Committee would uh, not be offering the opportunity for fans to witness the athletic um, achievements that will be taking place at the Olympic Games. Mm -hmm. They have even uh, tendered the idea that perhaps some programs or some of the Olympic uh, sports may be limited or canceled altogether in the face of this competition. Josh, that's got to be awful frustrating for not just the coaches, but the athletes for sure, and then, of course, the fans. What are your thoughts? Well, I think it's very difficult for, for the athletes to kind of be in, in limbo, right? right. Um, and and, and I, I feel for those athletes, I mean, making an Olympic team is obviously very difficult, and then when an Olympics gets pushed back a year, Sometimes that messes up your, your peaking cycle, and, and, it, and you're not quite where you wanted to be when you finally do get to go there. So it's a very difficult situation for them to, to navigate. Mm -hmm. I, I think trying to remain positive is huge there. And then I, I think it's also um, not being able to have your, your fans, you know, in the crowd supporting you, your family. There it is. Um, that, that's frustrating because that, that, that's a – uh, such a big career milestone, and you're competing to be the best in the world. Right. And it, it helps so much to have that support, especially when you're overseas. Um, so it, it's frustrating, I think, from, from everybody's perspective, from the athlete, from the fans. And uh, I just hope that uh, not, nothing bad happens with this and everybody gets to compete. And also, I think you have to take into consideration, a lot of these folks have bought their tickets they have made their plane reservations. They've hired their hotels and, and made all these grand plans to go to the land of the rising sun, mm -hmm. right? And now yep. they're being told to stay home. Yeah. And for safety, I understand. I get it. You know, I'm not, I'm not stupid. These variants that are coming out, some of them are even more refined and a little more dangerous. So I think we have to do what's what. But, man, Japan could see this thing coming a month ago. And, you know, they still hung everybody out in some cases, to dry. We don't, uh, you know, we feel bad for everybody involved. Josh, it's always good to talk to you. Know I'm a fan. I was so pleased to be able to be there with you for that dinner. Uh, what, a, what a grand time that was as we literally kicked it off in great style. The wrestling program at Iowa Western it has been in good hands under your tutelage. Thanks for the time today, buddy. All right. Thanks for reaching out. There we go. Coach Josh Watts. GoReavers.com, that's R-E-I-V-E-R-S. 
GoReavers.com. You can follow along with their tremendous success over the years and as they look into the future. You're listening to USA Takedown, Casper and Jones. We'll be back after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to ESPN Radio. You know you like it. Have no fear. The True American will be right back with more USA Takedown. Welcome back to the show. It is USA Takedown, and i tell you what, we've had a good one so far. Kira, I appreciate you jumping in. You've got some interesting perspectives, great questions. We encourage you to do it more uh, because it just broadens the range of the interest of our listeners, and I appreciate that. All right, so we head now to uh, Liberty, Missouri. It's there. William Jewell, Director of Athletics Time, Tom Eisenhower, has announced that Keenan Haggerty has been hired as the head men's and women's wrestling coach. He joins us now. Keenan, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. August 1 is your stated uh, and announced starting date. Um, how close are you to that mark? <laughs> so started um, last August, and then first competition will be this fall, November, November 6th. You know, I, I look at uh, you come from good pedigree, good stock, as I like to say. But, um, you know, I, I'm trying to think, was it Chad Benshoof? I think it was, uh, suggested that, you know, I gotta ha- uh, you got to have uh, Keenan Haggerty on the show. And I said, Keenan, wasn't he with Mike Denny at Maryville? <laughs> and, uh, yes, in fact, you were. Talk to us about your experience under the great Mike Denny. Oh, man, there's so many good things to say. Um, that's, a, that's a loaded question, just... You know, you're wrestling for a legend, and, you know, it didn't always start out at, at Maryville. Um, and, you know, most are aware of this, the transition from the other place. <laughs> yeah, the name that and, won't be spoken. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Trev so Albert can bite me. <laughs> right. So made the transition, um, you know, after signing the NLI to the other place and then went down to Maryville. And, you know, just Coach Sidney is a person that cares about people. Mm-hmm. And, um that alone has speaks so much about what I um, again going to continue to try and do. So I have the most respect for him as a as a coach, as a mentor. Um, I'm glad I got to spend the time that I did with him out there, and look forward to um, having some good battles here in the future. And that's it. You can, you will be facing him on the schedule, and I think that's terrific. Now, Mike Denny. Uh, it has another one-two punch right there. It's his wife. She is one of the <laughs> kindest people that I've ever met. And uh, she rolled with what happened in Omaha. She rolled with that and never, ever left the side of her husband. And her husband has ultimate faith that all things will work out. And by golly, he's made it work at Maryville. So good job out of you learning from one of the best. Now uh, you get to restart a program that's been on, what, a 27-year hiatus? That's correct, yeah. So the men's program used to be there on campus at Jewel and um, bringing that back and then as well as adding the women's program for the very first time in history. So a little bit of um, two different sides of the coin, bringing one back and adding one from the very beginning, ready to get going. You know, I've always said that where there is a women's wrestling program, men's wrestling is all of a sudden off the docket as potential cost-saving measures as some schools would like to call it. Um, but when you have a women's program, I think it adds a whole nother 
uh, level of life to an athletic department. These are motivated young women, and uh, they're searching for a great educational opportunity, but also searching out for great competition. Um, how are you finding it as far as attracting student athletes? We'll start with the women's side. Yeah, um, you know, bringing bringing the women's wrestling team to campus has been been great. Um, having our women come out and visit campus, you know, and, and William Jewell in Liberty, Missouri, is is a beautiful campus. And once you're on campus, you see that. And you know, it's a small private school, but um, it really is an attractive campus with a you know high expectation on academics. And you know, we're we're definitely trying to do that with our, our wrestling program as well and carry that same standard. So, you know, when you speak that language, I think that it's a, it's a really attractive um, place to be, and especially from the beginning when they get to build history and be part of the foundation. And it's largely regarded as a liberal arts college and a private one at that. But uh, you think about how it got started back in 1849 by members of the Missouri Baptist Convention and they were endowed by, get this, the enormity of the gift from Mr. William Jewell himself, $10,000. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's think about that. And by the way, the average cost of attendance is not that, uh, it's not that hard. I mean, twenty-three grand a year? Wow. I yeah, think it's so terrific. By the way... They, the, uh, the, um, the college is a, a tuition recast, and starting this, uh, this fall, 21-22 year, we will be dropping the tuition. Oh wow! Um, from thirty-three thousand down to eighteen thousand, just over eighteen thousand. So that that That's as well um, <laughs> with the new programs is a big attractor for the college. I think it's terrific. And uh, again, I've been on the campus. Uh, it is just literally a beautiful campus. So, folks, if you're looking for a great place to send your kids, whether they're wrestlers or not, I'm going to suggest the Jewel Cardinals because that is a great school, and it's attested by uh, the son of somebody I, um, I happen to have great regard for, and that's your dad. <laughs> yeah, me too, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to us. Uh, did he, was he part of the discussion uh, of, of you accepting uh, Tom Eisenhower's offer? Yeah, definitely. He, um, I, I have you know, all the respect for my dad. He's been a vital role for me. And, you know, I, I take his opinions and thoughts into pretty much all of my decisions, mm -hmm. you know, and coming back home was definitely part of it. Um, building something from the ground up, part of it. Uh, the campus and then obviously the people on the campus, I wanted to be surrounded by them. Um, there's a great group within the Jewel Athletic Program. And then um, starting from the very top from uh, Dr. McLeod Walls, our president. You know, there's just, we're going places. And I really felt that when I was on campus. So, you know, my dad just kind of backed me and, and said, you know, I think this could be a great place for you. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I do have ultimate respect for your father. We've traveled together and, and uh, had some great conversations at America's finest airports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seemed to be, he seemed to be in those quite a bit. All the time. All right, so I've got to ask you about um, building a staff. How difficult is that and what kind of support are you getting from your uh, athletic department? So it's been um, somewhat of a challenge. Um, we just hired our first assistant coach, uh, Brent Haynes, who is also a Kansas City 
uh, native, wrestled at Oak Park High School, and then uh, out at University of Missouri, had a stellar career, and has been involved with wrestling, at, you know, ever since. Made his way out to West Virginia for a while, and then he's come back um, to the Kansas City Northland and done a great job in the area. And we're super excited to have him on staff. And then, you know, looking to still hire a female assistant um, for our women's team. And, you know, that, that's been a challenge just because the sport is still relatively new. But, you know, we're going to continue to work hard to find a, a good one. I'm really encouraged by the number of women's programs that have been added. And it's like a uh, snowball rolling down a hill. It keeps getting bigger and bigger and faster. Definitely. And, uh, you know, Mike Moyer... Uh, was was quick to endorse women's wrestling. Back then, I think there were three college programs. But now we're seeing some real growth, both the high school level and the collegiate level. And I'm super impressed with the talent that's coming out of it. And, uh, and, and being, you know, that we're so competitive on a national or international stage now, but that's because we have those young women coming up from great college programs. And, uh, man, I tell you what, if you just love pure competition... There's nothing like a wrestling match, whether it's men or women. And uh, we're going to see that at William Jewell. We're talking with um, Keenan Haggerty. Who, is, who are you named after in terms of your first name, Keenan? Um, so actually, my, my first name is John. Uh, my middle name is Keenan. Um, I go by Keenan because John is a family name. Um, some may know this, but my dad is John Michael. And then my papa was also John Haggerty. So um, John is continue to be passed down and um keenan that i don't know i i um i think it's a great name i just i didn't realize it was your middle name it, yeah yeah so um it's unique and um it's irish name i believe little old wise guy is what it stands for so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i did not know that but mark the mark the tape there here would you please that's little old wise guy you know i try to just live up to the name little old wise guy uh i i actually have a question for you um sure i i grew up in missouri as well um in these little rural towns kind of like liberty um does that pose any kind of challenge as to recruiting students and also recruiting staff i mean is that part of why it's been a little difficult to get people to come out to little old Liberty, Missouri? <laughs> a little old. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't say so. Um, you know, we got, I think we have both, um, the best of both worlds. You know, mm -hmm. we have the, we, our campus actually overlooks the skyline of downtown Kansas City. Oh, wow. We're about 15 miles mm -hmm. from downtown. And, and so you have the beautiful, um, sites of Kansas City skyline, and then you look out the other direction, and you have kind of country. And so, no matter what you're really looking for, you have it in either direction. There's, and it's. I think it's fairly easy to get around too. You know, I've done my time as the um, producer of the Kansas City Sports and Vacation Show. Did that 16 years, and uh, that was uh, a tremendous effort. Even as the building that we were in was being built. I mean, it was a challenge, but uh, Kansas Cityans and Missourians get along so well. And I, I want to ask you about Blue Springs High School, okay? Now, is is there a pipeline there for you? Um, and I asked that earlier of a previous guest, but it's, it seems to me, you know, great college coaches have a pipeline to their uh, experience. In your case, it was Blue Springs High underneath your dad there. 
but talk to us a little bit about that because I think it's important to have those wellsprings. Yeah, definitely. You, you have to have them. You have to get out there in the communities. Um, you know, Coach Bobby Lowe at Blue Springs done a great job, and, and he has high-level wrestlers um, actually graduating this year, going out to a couple of Division ones, And so, you know, you definitely want to continue to build those relationships. And then, you know, in the, in the city of Liberty, you know, you've got Liberty North, Liberty High School, um, both doing great things. You know, Liberty High School winning um, state championships the last couple of years. And, you know, you just have to build those relationships and continue to, you know, get in there, be present. And that's really what I'm, I'm going to continue to try and do this last year um, with the struggles that everybody had with what's going on in the world. That created some challenges, but, you know, we're going to get past that, and um, we've got to continue to do a great job getting out into the communities and, and having those relationships so the pipelines continue. JewelCardinals.com online. You can follow along with the progress of the William Jewel program, both men's and women's, and I believe it's a perfect fit, by the way, for uh, the area. Here's, here's the deal. You've got um, nice small colleges like William Jewel, adding wrestling for a reason it's a uh, it's a wonderful sport we all know that but it's also a great foundry for student athletes we're seeing the apr continuing to rise across the country and it's because of these programs like the jewel cardinals uh that have excellence in educational aptitude you agree with that absolutely hmm. absolutely and so talk to us about the conference you're going to be competing in so the, the men's conference, we're in the GLBC, which is an extremely tough conference. Um, we're the eighth, eighth team to join the conference. You've got, um, starting up way north, you've got Davenport University. And then coming towards us, you've got Indianapolis, um, McKendree, Lindenwood, Maryville. And down south, you've got um, Jury and Ouachita Baptist and us. And that all have the um, GLBC sponsors sponsorship the women um we need two more teams to add um women's wrestling and then we will be a, a championship sport for the glvc so the, it seems to me that the, the, if anybody's dragging their feet on recognizing women's wrestling it's the ncaa agree or disagree i think they're moving um they'll want to you know toss a stone too early you know they're moving with the emerging sports status and right. i think like you were saying before, you know, it, it's kind of a snowball effect. And it's just, I think now we're up to 32 um, states that have sanctioned high school women's wrestling. Right. And th that's, that's tremendous. The more, the more the high school level does it, um, the more programs that I think are going to be developed at the collegiate level, I think it's just, like you said, a snowball effect. You know, and we look at states like Minnesota, most recently Nebraska, that are adding uh, women's wrestling and recognizing it as a championship level sport at the high school level and that's that's a real positive it's a real positive to see where we've come over the last 30 years because it, wrestling was on uh, pretty rocky ground back then and uh, i'm grateful that we've moved as far as we have keenan Haggerty has been our guest um who do you want to give a shout out to because i know these you know besides coach mike denny okay that's a, that's an obvious one but who would you like to give a <laughs> shout out for a great career you know, I just, I've had a lot of support, and there's so many people to thank, all of, you know, family, coaches, 
um, my girlfriend Emily, who's done a tremendous job um, to really support my goals. Um, and uh, so I, I have so many to thank. It, it's tough to go down the line, but you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for the position I'm in and the direction we're going. And so I'm, I'm a combination of everybody that's put into me. And so I, I, I'm extremely thankful. Well, I know that your family is ultimately very proud of you as well. Good job out of you on the show today, Keenan. We appreciate that. Congratulations on the new uh, job and uh, pushing forward, as we always do in wrestling. Thank you. Thank you. You know, when Chad Benshoof, uh who's restarting his own podcast, uh, suggested I have Keenan on, uh, and then he booked me for a podcast. It was supposed to be yesterday, but um, I had to back up because I, I couldn't fit it all in my day. But uh, perhaps we'll be able to get it done next Thursday, and it'll be great to be able to reconnect with Chad Benshoof. I know he's going to be uh, putting some uh, gear in his car and heading up to Fargo. Fargo's coming up, too. So, coming up quick. We're back at it. <laughs> yeah, Fargo's like this this wonderful melting pot of all these athletes from around the country in the largest tournament of its kind. We love it. We love it. We love it. All right, Keenan, you're heading to the showers. we got to head to the top of the hour. We appreciate you joining us on USA Takedown. Thank you so much. Again, fans, you can find him online at jewelcardinals.com. I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. If you've got student athletes that are looking for a home, look no further than Jewel. William Jewel, that is. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Stay tuned. Hour number two is coming up. I've got a great guest. He's going to populate two hours, not one, but two. It's Wade Chalice. You know him from the Guinness World Book of Records, the most pins and most wins. Well, he's got a couple great topics. We're going to be talking about doubling up and jumbling weight classes. And you say, what, what do you mean? Well, I think it's important that you stick around for hour number two to find out. I'm Scott Casper for Kira Jones. You're listening to USA Takedown only on 1350. This is ESPN Radio. All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Joe Rogan said, that stuff is awesome. I just ordered a ton of it and use it every day. Defense Soap, it's what the pros use. All right, welcome back. Hour number two of the big program, Coast to Coast, Border to Border. It is USA Takedown, Scott Casper, Kira Jones. And I was intrigued... When I got uh, an a, uh, email from Wade Shallis, okay, and I called him up, and then I went back and reread his blog. He makes some salient points, so we're going to be talking about that on the program today with Wade. Uh, I want to remind you that our program is brought to you in part by our friends at Wild Rose Casinos and our Defense Soap. Uh, Newsmaker Hotline is sponsored by Defense Soap. Coincidental? I don't know. I also want to thank Barbarian Apparel. They're going to be coming to Des Moines. Uh, in August uh, for a street wrestling event put on by our friends at Stalemates, the YouTube channel. How about that? Mm -hmm. So we've got some uh, interesting programming coming up, uh, but we'll be able to tell you more about that as Zach regains uh, some traction on the show in coming weeks. All right, now we head out to uh, California. I do believe it's in California. Wade Chalice is living now. Wade, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Scott. How's everything, buddy? It's it's sunny and warm out here with a nice breeze. And we're talking wrestling. Is that what we're doing? Okay, well, I can go with that. <laughs> Let's get into it. Here's the deal. Uh, you are always the first one, or it seems right at the top of the list, of stating 
what others would like to just uh, ignore, okay? In other words, you're wanting to list out and consider what some of the top ten must-dos for the sport are. So how does wrestling win? Talk to us about your blog. First of all, you've been, a, you've been enjoying incredible success with your blog. A lot of people are reading it. They're offering up their opinions. How about this last blog dated June 26? Well, the, the blog is, you're right about, you know, we have a tendency to ignore the mm-hmm. problems in wrestling. And the negatives that we have, well, every sport has negatives, but right. the negatives we have, we allow to stay out there in the industry, in the in society. And then the positives we have, the major sports, the ones that have, you know, jumped up and done extremely well over the last several decades, are doing a great job of, Letting getting the positives out. We have a lot of positives in wrestling, you know, uh, with our conditioning of the athletes, the toughness of the sport. Uh, it, it, it's endless, you know. We've had more presidents in the United States wrestle right. and participate in any of our sport. We've had uh, the people who walked on the moon literally were wrestlers at one time for the Naval Academy. Uh, you know, we have so many CEOs and uh, professional athletes in football and actors and actresses now in, that came from the sport of wrestling. But, you know, we know that, but no one else knows that. We keep that like a, a really tight-knit secret, and we only talk about those things among ourselves. But we never talk about things like that with the media outside of the sport of wrestling. It's like we allow the negative to get out there without countering it, but at the same time we want to hide, we want to keep, and we don't want anyone to know all the benefits that there are in the sport of wrestling. And that's why we get our butt kicked. You know, I, I go back to a conversation I had with, uh, uh, you know, legendary coach in the sport, now retired John Saatchi at uh, Rutgers. And sure. he, he said to me, face-to-face, that women will never have a position in the sport of wrestling. Okay? And, and that goes to your, uh, your comment that you made, that the decisions... Uh, that are being made, okay, and the programs that are being dropped are never the ones that are being coached by those who make the decisions. Is that still true to this day? Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, what's our, what's our numbers look like? You know, we have a, we have a declining population in wrestling. Uh, the last eight years, wrestling has been declining in the numbers. Uh, we have a fifty percent turnover rate of young men who come out try the sport, and then quit. That's not good. Uh, you know, we have the lowest participation sport of, we're, we're the lowest participation rate of all major sports. Example, you know, listen, look at soccer. Since 1970, soccer has gone from 49,000 children playing sport in, in America to 450,000. They've gone up over 900%, you know, since 1970. Wrestling, by comparison, was at 225,000 in 1970, and now we're at 245,000 and 40 or 50 years later. We've gone up 10%. Mm. We've gone up over 900%. And why is that? It's work versus compensation is out of whack. We expect our athletes to work so much harder, be unfortunately humiliated, you know, when they go to elementary tournaments, when they have no business being in elementary tournaments. Because coaches say, ah, it'll be okay. And the mother goes, well, he's only been wrestling for three weeks. Should we really take him to this tournament? Ah, he'll be fine. It, it, it'll, it'll build character. Well, little Johnny at age six or nine 
or ten can't spell the word character, can't define character. He has no understanding of what character is, right. and all he knows is he's getting his butt waxed, you know. And then for the next seven hours or ten hours, he has to sit in a eight thousand square foot concrete building, you know, and watch his teammates wrestle while he sits there. And then he gets home at midnight because he left that morning at six to go, to, you know, drive three hours to go to weigh-ins to wrestle for, you know, seven and a half minutes total to sit on his backside for the next 12 hours to drive three hours back to get back into his bed at two in the morning. And then he says to dad Sunday morning, Hey dad, that was so much fun yesterday. Can we do it again next Saturday? Yeah, right. You know, no, he hangs it up. We we're so out of whack in wrestling. The things we think are important are really not important to the average Johnny and his parents out there. So you come up with two topics that I found, okay. uh, very uh, interesting. The first one, let's address it in this segment, please. It's doubling up. Talk to us about what you're talking about. Well, what I try to do is come up with the most important part, thing we have to do in wrestling is engage the fans. We're not doing that. The only engagement they have uh, is trying to figure out how, how an athlete is going to stall the last two minutes of the match to, to get his hand raised. You know, it's the engagement of the of the fans are critical in wrestling to have them second-guess the coach in football. It's fourth and one, and they're on the 10 with 20 seconds to go. Should, should they run up the middle and try to get the first down? No, no, no. They uh, Watch it. He may, he may go for a pass into the end zone. You know, you, you get a chance to second-guess what the coach is going to do. In wrestling, you don't, you don't have that. When you don't have engagement with the, with the spectators, you know, they're just sitting there mindless, and wondering what's going on, and then our rules are so complex. You know, what what was that hand signal for? Or why did why did that happen? You know, uh, you know, you, you make the fans feel stupid in jeopardy on TV in the evenings. At least fifty percent of all the questions, everybody who watches Jeopardy can answer them. So they feel like they have part of the, you know the show. There, it tells them that they're intelligent, that they they, they can be engaged. If the questions were so tough that no one got any of them from you know, the spectators, uh, they wouldn't turn the TV show on. Because by comparison, you're making them feel like an idiot. That they don't know anything and they, you know, they won't watch the show. So what they do is they purposely arrange it. So at least half the questions, the average person watching it at home can answer them. Right. And, and you know, that's not the case. We make all our new spectators feel like idiots and they walk away wondering what happened or why did they do that. No one told them, and they didn't understand. It's complex. It's through it. I'm not coming back. It made me feel bad, and I, I couldn't get engaged in it. But anyhow, back to your question about the doubling up. I try to come up with some rules, and this is the key to our success. We have to change the rules. We have to make wrestling exciting. Right now it's boring as hell, not for the fans we currently have. Of Let's say we have 100,000 fans total throughout the United States. It might be a million. I don't know what it is. But let's just say it's 100,000. You know, I don't care what they think or what I say or what I write, although people seem to be reading it and they're engaged by it. At least if nothing else is entertaining, even though they think I might be wacko a little bit. But I don't care about that. I, well, I do, but I don't. I care about the 20 million fans we don't have that we need in order to become that next soccer, become you know the next UFC. In the last 20 years, UFC has gone from two mouthless tooth breathers fighting in a bar, in, in a cage, 
to where they are today, a multi-billion dollar industry. And, you know, it, you know it's pushing it's pushing at the NFL and NBA, right. the number of fans they have globally. How did that happen? Because, you know, UFC, that has a lot to do with wrestling. You know, wrestlers do extremely well. So if they can do it, you know, with a subset of what we do, why can't we do it? You know, and it starts with the rules. So doubling up, here we go. Sorry, that was a long answer to a short question. <laughs> All doubling right. up, just another opportunity to uh, have our athletes show, be showcased. If, if you went to a, an NBA game and you knew LeBron James at the Lakers, you know, when you, when you bought your $200 ticket, LeBron was going to play in the first three minutes of the game, then he was going to set the bench the rest of the game, you wouldn't spend $200 for the ticket. You wouldn't go. What we do in wrestling is we keep our star athletes, you know, off the mat as much as we can. You know, right away with 10 weight classes in college, the longest any of our stars are going to wrestle is 10 minutes or six or seven minutes, 10% of the time. And then we set them down for the other 90%. That's like making a LeBron James sit out or Tom Brady. Uh, he plays the first three minutes of the game and he sits the bench the rest of the game. Right. We can't afford to do that. Let's get our athletes back, keep them, keep them out there for a while. They would, if you ask any athlete, Wade, and, and having been there yourself, you would probably agree that if you ask any athlete out there, would you rather wrestle twice and maybe two different weight classes? I bet you they'd say yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would have loved it. And, you know, you get your high end, you're, you're, you're your superstar. You know, he wants to do that. So the doubling up goes like this, basically. Every athlete on your team in the varsity lineup has an opportunity to wrestle two times in a dual meet, but only three times during the season. So there's a strategic implication here as well. So let's say, as an example, uh, Dayton Fix from, from uh, Oklahoma State. Right. Let's say he, he goes out and he, uh, and beats uh, R.B. Young, you know, from Penn State. Roman really Bravo Young. Yeah. And then he stays out on the mat, and Nick Lee comes out, and he beats Nick Lee, too. He wrestled twice. Wouldn't that be worthy of a feature article in Sports Illustrated or a guest appearance on Outside the Lines for ESPN? You know, why not? It's, you know, he, so he's going to wrestle 16 minutes and 14 minutes instead of seven. He's not going to die when he does that because the coaches in the wrestling room have the kid, every kid, wrestle every day back-to-back-to-back-to-back matches without a break, and no one's fallen over and died yet from that. Matter of fact, I think if he went to a physician, he'd say it was probably good cardiac workout. It'd be it's healthy for him. But I'm going to I'm going to back up on something here. You said uh, allowing athletes to double up three times a year is a winning idea. I happen to agree with you, by the way. It's something the sport needs more of. But remember, each athlete can only do it three times a season. So why only three times? Well, I'm glad you asked me that, Scott. You know, if you know, if you had a Gene Mills or a, you know a Spencer Lee or you know any of the great ones, you know they're going to double up every match. So what happens in Spencer Lee's example, the 133 pounder at Iowa says, "Why the hell am I doing this? I'm killing myself every day in practice, and I never get a chance to wrestle. So how I'm going to quit?" So now we have the possibilities of forfeits in there. Uh, because, you know, it's, it's not right for the 33-pounder to have to set the bench every night because Spencer Lee's going to wrestle twice. So, uh, you know, I say let's do it no more than three times, so then you have the, the uh, uh, strategy of a coach there. You know, what, is, what does John Smith do, you know, with Spencer Lee? I mean, with, uh, with Vicks. Dayton. If, uh, 
you know, he's down by, let's say Oklahoma State's down by four points with just three matches left. Uh, should Coach Smith hold him back with the knowledge that OSU has Penn State, Iowa, and Oklahoma State, or Iowa, Ohio State still on their schedule, or should he, you know, put him out there? You know, there's a strategy. Now everyone understands going, put him out. No, <coughs> excuse me. No, you have to hold him back or, you know, later, you know, because you're going to still win the school meet. Well, maybe you won't win the school meet. And if he loses it, he was second-guessed and he was an idiot as a coach, which people, you know, spectators enjoy that, that armchair quarterbacking thing. Right. Uh, so why you do it three times is, is the strategic value of whether you should get him out there. And people want to come anyhow, knowing that it may see special or two shots or, or Dalton Fix or, or the me from Ohio State or Penn State. Uh, so it's really good to, to, to do that. And, you know, the 30-minute break between wrestling, I don't know what idiot came up with that number. It had reaction. to be somebody that wasn't a wrestler. It had to have been because, you know, in every sport, I mean, uh, football players can go offense and defense if they're good enough. They can stay out on the on the football field for two hours. But wrestlers, we're wallflowers. We're so we're so soft and and, and not very tough. We <laughs> we can't do fourteen minutes. That's just that's horrible. That's exactly you know, how I basketball can go for two hours. We go for fourteen minutes. Well, we keep on and the wrestlers are the toughest SOBs in the world. What's wrong with that? And marathon runners can go four hours. I'd see. I, yep. This is where you know. Once I dive into your blog, and I, I often do, um, I find myself agreeing with the the absurdity that we currently live with. That, as you're pointing it out, and uh, I think that's what's important as we continue our conversation with Wade Chalice. We're heading to the break, Wade, but. Um, you're absolutely right. And doubling up, I think that is a tremendous idea. Limiting it to three exposures a year uh, per athlete, uh, I think, is creating a more special uh, uh, designation for the activity. And it also allows our wrestlers to be seen and become even bigger stars than they are with the new uh, name, likeness, and image uh, rules that are being set out by the NCAA and now individual conferences as well. Uh, Spencer Lee was the very first, by the way, to uh, sign on behalf of uh, himself and uh, got an agent and everything. Now he's going to be making bank off of him being the level best in the country. We're talking with Wade Chalice. You can find his post at wadechalice.com. Over 2 million people cruising up on 3 million people have visited his site and continue to do so. You can find out why yourself at wadechalice.com. Our conversation will continue as we talk next about jumbling weight. Wade Chalice is up for part number two and hour number two. Stay tuned. It's USA Takedown. Scott Casper only on ESPN. Stay tuned. Our coverage of wrestling and MMA continues after this timeout here on USA Takedown, only on 1350 ESPN. Des Moines, sports leader. Can you imagine if we had the opportunity to jumble weight classes? We're here talking with Wade Chalice, and again, wadechalice.com. It is USA Takedown. Scott Casper, what does it mean to jumble weight classes. He rejoins the show. Wade, can you tell us about jumbling weight classes and the basic idea behind it? Well, what we're trying to do, what I'm trying to do, is create excitement, mm -hmm. create engagement, and create simplicity for our fans. Those are the three things that our, our leadership don't go to meetings and talk about. Excitement, engagement, and simplicity. Because we've got to get our fans engaged. 
and jumbling weight class is another way of doing that. And the way we, the way I came up with the idea here, and it doesn't, these things don't hurt anybody, you know. And it's, it's just, it's a way of creating more excitement. Now, jumbling weight classes is this, you know, there's a flip of the coin before the dual meet starts, right? And one team wins, and he picks what weight class he wants to start the dual meet with. And at, after that, it just goes back and forth. In the second weight class, the other coach picks. The third weight class goes back to the original coach and back and forth throughout the 10 weight classes. So each coach gets to pick which weight class goes out next, you know, eight, five times each. What's exciting about this for the fan to engage them uh, is the other coach and the other team doesn't know the next weight class. So, you know, Anderson's not going to tell John Smith the second, what, who he's going to send out on the mat in the second weight class. But the athlete at Penn State knows because he's gone back and say, okay, uh, uh, Nick, you're going out next. So there may be four guys went warming up back there. And, you know, you don't know which one's coming out. So the other team doesn't know either. And all of a sudden, you know, somebody walks out and the other coach says, oh, okay, uh, Smith, get in there. And it becomes exciting should they do that. And it goes back and forth. It's just you're jumbling away classes. So and we're talking about something, if we did this, it would have strategic implications as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Now, should, should, should Sanderson take a look over there and see the 184-pounder from Oklahoma State who's not warming up, and we just wrestled the first weight, and that might have been, say, list 133. What's the next weight class? He was going to set Nick Lee out next, okay? But mm-hmm. he looks over there, and he sees their 84-pounder from Oklahoma State not warming up. So he goes back to his kid and goes, okay, uh, hey, Jim, I forget who was 84-pounder is for, for the Lions. Uh, get ready. You're going to go out next, you know? And, you know, you make it look like Nick Lee's going to go out. He's jumping, doing jumping jacks and sit-ups and pacing back and forth or whatever he does to warm up. And all of a sudden, you throw out, Penn State throws out the 84-pounder, and the other 84-pounder from Oklahoma State's sitting on his bench going, OS, which stands for O-shoot or O-sugar or another <laughs> S-word. You know, he's got to get up and get out there. And he's not ready. So basically, you know, uh, Sanderson caught the 84-pounder from Oklahoma State with his pants down, not ready to wrestle. And the fans would go crazy over that. So the strategic value, and then all the fans in the stands, ah, oh, no, he shouldn't have put him out there. He should have put, you know, um, the heavyweight out. You know, you're guessing who you're going to set. And then the coach strategically says, okay, I just lost the last two weight classes. Do I put my stud out there next to stop the momentum, the team momentum the other team has, or should I save him for a later later match? So, you know, and basically the armchair quarterback in the stands are all second-guessing what the coach should have done or should not have done, which is good because, again, you engage, like my Jeopardy analogy earlier, you're allowing people to have some have their own opinion, right? You know, and they can be right or wrong, but they get to have their opinion. Right now, they don't have a chance. There's nothing in wrestling that gives them to have a chance to have an opinion. You know, who are sitting in the stands when we don't engage them. You know, and, you know, we keep all our, our secrets to ourselves. So the coaches are engaged, but nobody else is, and we wonder why the fans don't want to come back and watch wrestling. See, this is you. I think you just nailed it on the head. I know you put a lot of thought into this and a terrible amount of research, but it is about attracting fans. It is about keeping those fans who want to give wrestling a try more engaged and increasing that conversation amongst them 
and debating whether or not a coach uh, did did the right thing in putting in that 84-pounder. Uh, you know, I think this is what we have to think about. What are, what's the tactical value? Um, and and the tactical value in in keeping fans engaged, you have to make it exciting. Too many times you go to a a collegiate uh, wrestling match, whether it's Iowa, Iowa State. Let's use that as an example. And the hype has been going on for weeks on the way to the event, and we get there, and it's generally one-sided. Uh, so there's very little excitement. And if, if, in fact, we can do as you're suggesting, Wade, uh, I think it would be a benefit to the fan and also, I should say, the entirety of the sport. Agree or disagree? Well, you know, obviously I agree. It, you know, and the coach looks, I don't want to do it. Why not, coach? How does this, in, how does this impact the wrestlers? You're not teaching, having to teach whole new techniques. And mm-hmm. This is just strategic value. You know, this is, this is going to test your, your skill, coach. You know, and if you think you're slicker than the next guy, you know you're gonna you're gonna be able to win even more as a result of this, and the fan gets to get involved as well. You know, it's all about the coaches. You know, the coaches, you know, the stuff that we do that's stupid as they come. You know, they want to somehow hang on to. You know, people go, well, I don't want to change anything. Well, you know, we've been changing ever since we started the sport in the early 1900s. Well, you know, what do you mean? Well, does anyone know that the matches used to be 15 minutes long and there was no scoring whatsoever? The only thing that they had was a pin and the matches at the end of 15 minutes, whoever had the most riding time won the duel, won the match. That's the way wrestling, that's the rule back then. We've changed a lot since then. And if there was a pin and the pin occurred at 2 minutes and 42 seconds into the match, what they would do is they would put two minutes and 42 seconds back on the clock and they would continue the match and to see if the other kid could pin his opponent in a shorter amount of time. At the end of that 2.42, if he didn't pin his opponent, then the guy who had the original pin got his hand raised. So, you know, the guy had a chance to come back and pin the other guy in a shorter amount of time to win. So, you know, now am I professing either one of those? No. But I'm just saying that over the history of our sport, we've had a lot of changes, and some of them we are very, very good. A lot of them are not. Mm-hmm. What we, we have a lot of coaches out there that want to change everything except what's important. The most important thing we've got to change in order of importance, what we have to change first, is if we're a restaurant. As an example, you, you just opened a new restaurant, Scott, right. and your food is horrible. It now, happens. You have, you have, <laughs> you have linen tablecloths. You have silverware, silver silverware. You have crystal on the table glasses. You have free parking. You know, you painted the walls, new wall carpeting down, and you give away uh, 500 free meals to the people in the community to come over and try. So the word of mouth, hopefully, is going to get out there, and people come in and they realize the food is horrible. What you've done for all the work you put in, the money you you know put into the business and the 500 free meals, you just killed your business. Because those 500 people are going to go back and go, don't go there, the food's horrible. Now, you could have a shack that's ugly, that has holes in the floor. You know, if the food's great, lines will be around the block Mm -hmm. to get into your restaurant. The food is everything. In wrestling, the excitement is everything. What we do in wrestling is we try to put new tablecloths down and new carpeting and paint the walls. And none of that matters until we fix the food. The food is the problem in a restaurant. 
in wrestling. It is the rules about the excitement of the match. It's not, uh, it's not, not out of bounds. We, we penalize uh, uh, things we want to change, like stalling. We talk about stalling. Oh, yeah, you know, we have to penalize him. Why don't we incentive every rule that we have, we, we try to penalize people. Well, how about incentivizing people? There it is. Want to wrestle. You know, that was my, you know, a point earned is a point scored. The previous blog, where, you know, if you score, if you win eight to two, your team gets eight points, the other team gets two points. So no matter, if you lose or whatever points he scored, gets up on the board, you have a tremendous 17-16 match, you know, and if it's over, the winning guy gets four points and the loser gets zero. Well, you know, he's, wait a minute, he scored 16 points. What do you mean his team gets zero? You know, you, you don't take points away from the basketball player who scored 12 points in a losing effort. He still gets, his record still says he scored 12 points. In wrestling, we take it all away. We, we, we penalize everything. You know, if you, if you told the coaches that, you know, every point that's put on the board goes to your team score, he's going to be screaming in the wrestling room, take him down, put him on his back, damn it, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> he's going to be screaming at his athlete for two nonstop hours to score more points. What do you think the fans are going to be doing? Currently in wrestling, when it scores 8-4 to four, and there's a minute to go and the 8 guy is winning and he's riding the 4 guy, you know, they get up and go get a Coke or they talk among themselves what, what bar they're going to go to after the, after the match because they're bored stiff because they know what's going to happen. Nothing. In the next minute, it's going to be 8-4 to four and that's where it's going to end. If it's a point scored, it's a point earned, the guy on the bottom, you know, everyone's screaming, get off the bottom, get off the he may not still win the match, but that extra point might mean something. If you know, if you lose your match, Scott, you really worked hard and you lost to a really good kid, let's say eight to five. Okay, at the end of the night, your team won the match one hundred and twenty eight to one hundred and twenty four. How important were your five points? Wow. That last minute escape made the difference of your team winning the dual meet. You're now the hero on the team. Not only did the kids who won, but the losers scored more points and made it possible. So we have excitement. People are trying to score. Right now, you know, what we do as, as a coach is we teach the, the slowdown approach. Down block a shot. Play the edge. Counter a shot with a half shot to keep the referee off your backside mm -hmm. so you don't get called for stalling, and stall out the last two minutes. And while everyone in the stands is falling asleep. You know, that's not how you win. In the UFC, every 2.5 seconds... Someone's throwing a punch. In rugby, 2.5 minutes, someone's taking a shot. There it is. And we wonder why we don't have any fans. We have to have fans first. We, we can't be sell TV to people when we have no points, no, no scoring. You know, it, TV, if, right now, if we go on TV, if, if your son is valedictorian at Harvard and, you know, he just, you know, did his commencement speech, and the TV is there to show him you know, locally that being the Battle of Victorian, you got your chest puffed up and you're really excited as a father, and you should be. But if your son just got arrested for shoplifting and the TV people are there, do you want him on TV <laughs> being handcuffed for shoplifting? Mm, yeah, I don't think so. I want to bring this up. Um, <clears throat> the, there are going to be naysayers for a rule such as you're suggesting and jumbling up. Most of them of will claim that not knowing what weight is going next isn't fair to the opposing athlete. Why isn't it fair? Well, when, when it's fair to all, by definition, 
it's fair to all because everyone gets a chance at that. Think of all the sports that are out there, like in basketball. Uh, the coach says, Smith, get in there for Jones. Yeah, coach. He jumps up, pulls his pants off, and runs right in. No right. warm-up. That's the same thing in football. All sports are like that, soccer. You know, again, we're not wallflowers. You know, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, well, I wasn't ready. That's an excuse. Hush up. Get out there. You know, I, you know it's, it, everyone should be ready all the time. That's what we t- teach our kids. In life, if you're walking down the street and some bad guy jumps out from the alley and tries to rob you your money, you don't have to. You can't say, oh, "Wait a minute, I got to warm up here." <laughs> you know, you've got to act right away. <laughs> there, yeah, you know, being involved in this uh, most recent film project called uh, "For the Love of Catch," okay. You look at wrestling matches at the turn of the century, 1910s, 20s, 30s. They would go an hour, hour and a half, two hours, some of them, in front of 42,000 people at Comiskey Park. At one point, wrestling was one of the two top sports in the world, and it was because of that excitement. People didn't know how a match was going to end. Mm-hmm. The wrestlers were encouraged to be creative in their holds. And, um, and you know, this. by the way... Uh, there's more features out now about our sport than in any year past, and I'm really encouraged by at least that end of it. We're starting to see more projects uh, like For the Love of Catch or uh, the, the uh, Perry Streak uh, being expressed in a new film and documentary about wrestling in Perry, Oklahoma. But uh, I think we have to continue to look at what is wrong with our sport and then suppose we have answers. In this case, I believe we have two very good ones, as uh, expressed by Wade Chalice. He's our guest on the program of the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. You were inducted into um, uh, the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, and you were the first Pennsylvanian. I don't understand how you're the first, but you're surely one of the best. You were a coach of the year, man of the year, sports writer of the year. Guinness Book of World Records, and also, and this is what makes your view and expressing your points so important, you're also uh, one of the highest rated officials in America of all time. See, this is what makes your opinion to me so much more important than that of many others. It's because you've been on every single side of the issue, and you see what is broken and what needs to be fixed. And that's why your blogs have to be must-read blogs. And, folks, you can do it at wadeshallis.com. And if you would like to subscribe for bonus content, I encourage you to do that as well. Uh, he's also a wonderful author, Jacob's Cradle. What's the new book called? The new, oh, I'm sorry, the new book? Yes. Uh, Charlotte's Gaff, G-A-F-F. Um, that's a, a sequel to Jacob's Cradle. If you go to Amazon.com, you can either download it or you can buy actually the book. Uh, it, it has, there are, in my, in my category of the books in Amazon, there seem to be about 50, 55 books listed. And Jacob's Cradle is the only book that has five stars, as rated by the readers who have seen it so far. If you are a mother of a young athlete and you want to get them to read more often, like my mother, I used to love to hunt. And fish, and my mother would gave me a subscription to Field and Stream when I was growing up because she knew that I would read that and would encourage me to pick up a book and learn to read more. In wrestling, uh, if you have a young man or a young lady who wrestles, you know there's some wrestling in Jacob's Cradle, obviously, uh, but it's not the dominant uh, feature in the book. But there's it's spy versus spy. It's a great love right. affair, 
And for most people, you know, at the end, you better have a tissue because it kind of brings a little tear to your eye at the same time. <laughs> so it's, it's a combination. And, again, it gets five stars, and the new one is, is uh, Charlotte's Gap, which I'm just finishing up now. I just got it back from the publisher to uh, prove what the changes, slight changes he made, and I'm starting on the third one. And it's, it's going to be a trilogy of the three of them, and then I'll, I'll spin off and do some other type of writing. But it's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, I just encourage people to start looking at putting some pressure on some of the coaches because we, we're not fixing things. And when I went to the NCAs every year, Thursday night session, the second round, I, every year for the last eight years, I have not gone to that session. That's right. I go out to the local bars, sports bars, and I walk through the sports bars, and there's 10 or 15 TVs going, and one or two of them invariably, because we're in the same city as the NCAs, has wrestling on. And I watch the people sitting at the bar and in the tables, and nobody's watching wrestling. And I go over and I tap people on the shoulder and say, excuse me, how come you're not watching the wrestling over there? It's just down the street here. It's the NCAA champ. Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, okay. And they look at it for five or ten minutes, or, I mean, 10 or 15, 30 seconds ago. They're not doing anything. It's boring. I, yeah, I agree with you, but I thank you for your time. <laughs> and, I'm, and I, I go out and ask, <coughs> and people don't like what they see. So when we have wrestling on TV, people in the wrestling think that's exciting. We're on TV. We're on ESPN. No. It, again, if it's negative, what we're doing is killing the sport. We mm -hmm. should not be on TV until we fix the food. There you, you go. Can't, you can't hand, handle out free food. If it's horrible, all you're doing is guaranteeing you're not going to get any new fans. We have to go back to the rules and make it exciting. There it is. And everything else is secondary to that. Next up, you're going to be covering the issue, and it is an issue, of forfeits. I can't wait to see uh, how that one comes out, Wade. I really am encouraged because you are free with your opinions, generally right, and uh, I have so much respect for all that you've done. Known as the father of funk wrestling, folks, he continues to this day to make immeasurable contributions to the sport he loves, and I'm sure you will join him in that endeavor, wadechalice.com. Wade, thank you for the time today, man. Continued good works. Thank you, Scott. You are the best. Without mm. you, I don't know what we would do. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much for that. Wade Chalice, he's the namesake of the Chalice Award, by the way, and... Uh, Gosh, you take a look at all the Chalice Award winners. They've got one thing in common. They were an awful lot like Wade Chalice. <laughs> How about that? All right, stay tuned. There's more as we come to you live from the Wild Rose Casino Studios. You're listening to USA Takedown with Casper and Kira Jones, our producer today in studio. You're on Iowa Sports Leader. This is 1350 ESPN. All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Two-time world champion Terry Brand said, We use it in our showers and in our room. Defense Soap, it's what the pros use. All right, the 29th of May, Rob Cole was named, officially named, the new head coach of the Stanford Cardinal in Stanford, California. And then on the 20, 23rd, the following month, he named his assistants. And one of the good guys out there, somebody I've enjoyed watching compete and watching coach, is Dr. Enoch Francois. Dr. Francois, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm excited to be on the on the call with you guys. How's everything going? Going very well. You are our final guest of the show. We just uh, finished two segments with Wade Chalice talking about the ideas of jumbling weight classes and then also 
doubling up. In other words, having an athlete be able to wrestle two or three times in a session as opposed to limiting them to a total of potentially seven and a half minutes or seven minutes. And uh, quite frankly, I think Wade Chalice brings up good points. He's got ideas, but the rest of the community has got to get behind him in order for us to affect change. And the community did just that at Stanford. They voiced their opinion when Stanford had announced that 11 varsity-level sports would uh, uh, be eliminated from their athletic offerings. Now, people came together. They raised money. And Stanford kicked itself in the seat of the pants, I think, by announcing they were getting rid of 11 sports all at the same time. That was a whole lot of upset folks. So they, they, they come back and say, hey, we've rethought this. We're going to keep wrestling. We're going to keep these other sports. And we're also going to hire some great new coaches, you being one of them. Uh, congratulations on the new job. It's, it's going to be interesting to watch you transition from uh, the Finger Lakes area of upstate New York out to Stanford, California. Yeah, no, thanks. I truly appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, there, there's been a, it's been a lot of transitions uh, over the years as we were with uh, the Finger Lakes uh, program with, with the Cornell Wrestling Program upstate. You know, we were able to do a lot of great things there. Um, uh, we performed quite a bit with uh, Team USA, and and it was great to, to help that, that RTC develop along with, with those athletes um, as well. But, you know, it came a time where I had to transition and move down to Florida Mm-hmm. And and take on a leadership role at the at the charter school here, overseeing uh, the special education department K twelve as well as uh, uh, bringing up the youth, uh, directing that youth club, and and coaching our varsity athletes as well at the high school level. So, uh, you know, picking up K twelve wrestling, uh, picking up K twelve admin roles, was, that was that was big for me, right? Developing as a as a leader, and so it just comes full circle, you know, with, with the wrestling world. I've I've never. Uh, Come, come out of that fold, um, you know, with, with those, uh, with the Division One levels of coaching. That's that's always been something I wanted to ideally go back to, but I, you know, it just had to be the a, a great fit, ideal situation with with uh, with a good good group of staff, and you know, with with what Rob's done, and and not only taking the position, but but bringing myself and bringing Chento, and I think it's it's, it's a great mix. And, I mean, we're, we're just excited, man. We're just excited to get moving. When you think about um, the potential of, of losing Stanford on the West Coast and then the announcement of the reignition of the program with the hiring of great coaches, all of a sudden now uh, wrestling on the West Coast has got a whole new different light. Would you agree with that? Uh, I, I most definitely agree with it. But what is, what is done, it, it, it's done something for the – wrestling community community as a whole where i feel like at times um you know different programs uh different states wherever we are in the country we we you know we we get to a complacent mindset where we can we we kind of take these things for granted at times and and we don't realize how how fast they can be gone and 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 things like that so we don't put the necessary uh energy and effort towards uh whether it's a fan engagement fundraising and and recruiting and all those things where we, we kind of, we, at times we let our guards down a little bit where, you know, something like that, uh, it, it, it reignites a fire. I think uh, not just on the coast, but you know, nationwide and, and, you know, the excitement is there, the buzz is there. And, and we, we, we want to, you know, use that, use that momentum to do a lot of great things. 
This portion of our program brought to you by Mullet's Restaurant, First Avenue, downtown Des Moines, right by the ballpark. It's the Chow Hall for wrestlers and fans, and by our friends at here.com. That's forward slash here.com. Here.com forward slash Casper. I'll say it right. <laughs> if I want to direct people there, I should tell them the exact address, right? Okay. Dr. Enoch Francois is our guest. It was recently announced that he and Vincenzo Joseph would be named to the Stanford Wrestling Program as coaches for Rob Cole. And Joseph was in the, uh, a wonderful program at Penn State. We all know his success. And uh, Rob had this to say. I had the pleasure of working with Enoch for three years at Cornell and couldn't be more excited to have him join us at Stanford, said Cole. I also had the displeasure of having to compete against Vincenzo, and I'm thrilled to mm -hmm. finally have him on my team. What were your thoughts when you read that? I thought that was cute. Oh, it, it, it cracked me up, right? It cracked <laughs> me up because, you know, as coaches and competitors, you, 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 you butt heads, you, you, you battle against other programs, and you don't, you don't, you try to, not not acknowledge you know the other guys too much or the other programs but uh it, it, you don't not notice them right, right. <laughs> you, yeah. you notice the work that they're putting and you notice what's going on um so it, it's uh it, it's cool to kind of see you know a lot of the the landscapes uh just come around and and, and mess up and ignite at the right place to, to to keep that momentum going over on the west coast when i first met you it was um i want to say it was on Long Island, right? And yeah, I do believe so. It was um, Bill, I, Bill Farrell? What, yeah, Bill Farrell. Bill Farrell. Okay. Now, what school was that at? Um, I believe we had that. We had that at Hofstra because they moved. Oh, that's it. They, yeah, they moved it from uh, the NYC building to, to Hofstra. And I remember I recall that tournament because uh, I, I wrestled um, a fun string of matches, and that was the first time I moved up from 86 kilos to uh, 97 kilograms on the freestyle circuit, just kind of putting some good weight on and and moving up to wrestle with the big guys, and that was a very successful tournament for me first time out of that way. I don't remember if it was me or my co-announcer of the broadcast um, as we broadcast the action on certain mats, uh, but I think I think it was me when I described you as being cut from stone. You <laughs> your your physique was literally that of perfection. It was like you came out of uh, Cal Baptist, you know, just absolutely, totally prepared. Have you always been a gifted athlete? Well, that's, that's one thing I've always had going for me, right? Uh, I've been, I've, I've been pretty blessed with, uh, weight, with great genetics and, uh, and, and having a, a great, great mindset and, and work ethic to, to propel that into something more has been an advantage of mine. So, uh, so I've, I've always been thankful for that. Uh, so it, it, it's always worked out well in my favor that way. Yeah, at that particular tournament, Bill Farrell, uh, you were able to uh, post some pretty significant scores. Impressive indeed. You bring a wealth of experience in leadership. You were a student-athlete at Cal Baptist, right? Yes, sir, and, I was. I and, was. And your undergraduate degree there was in psychology with a concentration in social work. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is generally completely different than that of most athletes uh, in the wrestling community. They're generally going after kinesiology coaching yeah. sports science, yeah. sports science. Physical you know, therapy. there's nothing wrong with any of those i'm just saying that yeah, it, yeah. It, this just speaks to uh your level of intellect and what you bring to it there's got to be nobody on that team at stanford and granted stanford is a difficult school to uh, get into and stay in but uh, i don't think anybody's intellect at stanford is going to be able to challenge you in any short order uh, well you know the biggest thing for me you know uh the, with how i was brought up my 
my my parents are very heavy in the ministry. My father's a pastor. They do a lot of mission work in, in the country of Haiti, uh, where they built a church, uh, a school, and, and things like that. And so it, it's always been about servant leadership and, and seeing how we can uh, serve others. So, you know, through through my college career where, you know, where I major undergrad psychology, social work concentration, and master's in special education, uh, K-12, and the, the Ph.D. in uh, educational leadership with a concentration in higher education governance, you know, it's just all about just, you know, that, that, that servant leadership mindset and, mm-hmm. and getting in the places where, or you you can kind of utilize all your all your skills to to service others and uh, you know just help helping people be better contributing members to society. I think that's a that's a big thing. And and our calling as as, as coaches and and mentors and leaders is you know that's our calling. Um, uh, you know what what we're asked to do in this world. So I, I just think it's a perfect fit. Well, I'm grateful that we have Dr. Enoch Francois in our sport, an important part of our sport. I wish we had a whole lot more of him. <laughs> copies um and and you said that you were looking forward to joining the stanford staff what is it about stanford that you found attractive um you've literally been around the country uh and yeah. and then competing for you know team usa in many ways as well what is it about stanford that in, encouraged you to uh, uh accept the role well so it's it's multifaceted right so a good way to break it down is just to explain you know the the many different uh, universities that I've been to. So I, I've, I've competed at Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa, and uh, competed at Cal Baptist, where I graduated from. Um, I coach as a grad assistant at University of the Cumberland. And, you know, so then when you start getting to even higher levels uh, where I coach at Army West Point, then you start to realize, um, you know, certain um, higher levels of academic expectations and standards uh, laid out that are laid out for these student athletes and their development. And and then you transition to a school like Cornell University, and you 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 see those uh, academic uh, expectations and and uh, performance standards that are set. So then you look at a, a place like Stanford, who who offers the best of all of those worlds, right? Yeah. Um, high high academic achieving expectations, um, high high athletic achieving expectations. So yeah. You know, you combine those, man. You're 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 recruiting the best of the best uh, student athletes the country has to offer, and and it, it's just you know that when you look at an opportunity like that, it's 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 something that with without a you know without a doubt you you just automatically want to want to be a part of that that growth, right? Because it's I mean it's really the future leaders of our of our country, and and it's it's the best of the best. You know, one of the things that that you know, and I'll express this to our listeners. Your boss, your new boss, Dr., mm-hmm. excuse me, not doctor, but Rob Cole, okay? Uh-huh. Second generation, his dad, the late, great Bill Cole, head coach of Penn State. Uh, what a great history he had in our sport, Hall of Famer. But uh, mm-hmm. Rob Cole has self-admitted that he does not have a filter uh, when it comes to speaking his mind. I find that utterly refreshing uh, he's generally right about all things wrestling. I have so much respect for him in that. Uh, he's been a great uh, a guest on this program so many times over the years. Um, being able to re-team with Rob and restart this program at Stanford, it's got to be very exciting indeed. I know that you want to be that essential part in helping the team uh, realize the hopes and dreams that so many have. But it's got to be through wrestling uh, an ability to help these athletes achieve excellence, maximize potential, and build self-worth, right? 
Absolutely, absolutely, man. And and as you said, man, Rob's a, <laughs> Rob's a different type of person, man. He and and you know he's he's very candid and very transparent with a lot of things he says. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't pull back and hold off on punches. You know, even nope. when 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 we're recruiting guys or you know talking to families or whatever we're doing and. And, you know, he has a great mindset with uh, evolving the sport and, and changing the culture of wrestling on, on, that, on that coast. Uh, so a lot of the vision and, and the plans he has, well, you know, a lot of people can look at it outside in and, and say, oh, man, these are, these are some lofty goals and, and big. Well, you know, if we're, if, we're, if, we're not, if we're not shooting for the moon, man, then what are we really doing, right? So right. It's, it's important to set those, uh, those big goals, those lofty goals, and, and go chase them down with the objective of um, hitting hitting our target and, and and meeting those goals. So you know it's a it's a it's a lot of work. You know it's it's, it's not that you're gonna set goals and and big goals and and not aim to achieve them. And we're gonna work hard to achieve them. And and that's the exciting part about it, man. We're we're not coming in to to take things slow, man. We want to hit the ground running and be successful right away. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to watch it unfold. Uh, understanding it would be fully intended. In other words, this is not a plan uh, that has not been written up. Rob Cole is uh, amazing to watch. He, he, he could have gone into that good night very quietly, but instead he made one of the most important decisions uh, over the last five to ten years that our sport mm -hmm. has experienced, and that being able to go out, interview for, uh, be offered the job, and then accept it, and then hire a strong staff. Are there any other positions that remain open for uh, Stanford? Yeah, well, right now we're just uh, finalizing some things uh, with our volunteer assistant position, so we're finalizing those things. But for the most part, and everything's in place, we have uh, high-level uh, regional training center athletes uh, that have committed to coming in and are literally, as we speak, <laughs> traveling in and, and, and moving in uh, to the area right now. Um, and uh, the guys at, at Stanford as part of the program there, they're starting to trickle back in, onto campus and, and getting on the mats and rolling and training. So, uh, so that's the biggest thing, right, is just get, starting to get everybody in place um, and everybody getting some familiarity, familiarity with one another, the coaching staff, uh, the RTC athletes, and, and just sort of, you know, freely getting some roles in and, and things like that before we really start kicking things off. It was announced yesterday, Enoch, that um, about four in the afternoon Central Time, that uh, the Japanese Olympic Committee would uh, is now banning fans from an attendance at the Olympic Games. How disappointing, from your perspective, having been a member of the U.S. Uh, Senior National Greco team in '17, a Senior Nationals place winner in '14, '15, '16, and '17, um, what are, what is going through the minds of the athletes that are being put in harm's way, really? Uh, let's face it, they're suffering a increase in occurrence of the COVID virus mm -hmm. and these uh, varied varieties that are uh, coming up. What, what's going through the mind of these athletes? Well, I, I think the biggest thing on the mind of all athletes at, at this point in time is, um, is from a place, more of a place of thankfulness than a place of panic or fear. Um, you know, I, I think everybody's been traveling and they've, they've been competing and and due to how things have been taken away uh, momentarily from the being able to do the things they love, I think everybody cherishes a little more. So even with all the measures that are being put in place uh, for athlete safety and, and all of these things, I think everyone's just more of a place of just thankfulness, just being, being thankful to be able to uh, go do what we train to do, uh, you know, being able to compete and, 
and and go test your your craft against uh, the best guys in the world and and just seeing who comes out on top and and I think we've all realized this this past year or two you know how how crucial that is to to all our mental health you know right. just being able to have the opportunity to go do what we love to do you know yeah we would love to have a lot of family friends uh, fans and and everybody to kind of enjoy those moments with but at the end of the day um, you know, we kind of take a step back and just say, you know what, I'm, we're just thankful to be able to, you know, have the opportunity to do what we do at a high level. And we're thankful to have great guests just like you. I'm so pleased that you were able to make this work and uh, to join us on USA Takedown today, Enoch. Thank you so very much. And uh, one last time, it's Dr. Enoch Francois. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Thanks, thanks a lot. I appreciate you all having me. Exciting times ahead. Hey, no card. Have a blessed rest of your day. Best of Rob Cole, okay? All right. There Bye-bye. we go. You know, I knew he was going to be a great guest. We had him on once before uh, in a previous incarnation of this program. But uh, he's only getting better. I mean, my God. Mm-hmm. How can you not want to wrestle for that guy? You know? Yeah. Been he, there, done that. He sounds like such a great guy and so knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, how many coaches out there can say they even have a Ph.D., you know? So. Yeah. Most, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of folks out there can't spell it. PhD. Are you kidding me? All right. Hey, appreciate you uh, joining us on the program. USA Takedown has been brought to you by Wild Rose Casino and Resort, by Here.com, by Trent Weatherman, your Northwestern Mutual Financial Consultant, and by Defense Soap, by Mullet's Restaurant and Barbarian Apparel, by Matt Kullerberg's PBS Landscaping, by Paul Stazinski, Jim Sinclair, and Don Boyd. Advantage Physical Therapy as well, Mark Cody and his Presbyterian College Blue Hose, and Hassle-Free Marketing, and by the Stalemate Channel on YouTube. Our producer has been Kira Jones. I'm Scott Casper for USA Takedown. Hey, please join us again next week only on 1350 ESPN.